vision of his country over the smoldering issues of slavery and states' rights. Harper's Ferry, Sunday, October 16, 1859. Shortly after eight o'clock at night, having completed his preparations and his prayers, a broad-brimmed hat pulled low over his eyes, his full white beard bristling like that of Moses. The old man led eighteen of his men, two of them his own sons, down a narrow, rutted, muddy country road toward Harper's Ferry, Virginia. They marched silently in twos behind him as he drove a heavily loaded wagon pulled by one horse. The members of his army had assembled there during the summer and early autumn, hiding away from possibly inquisitive neighbors and learning how to handle their weapons. John Brown had shipped to the farm a formidable arsenal, 198 Sharps rifles, 200 Maynard revolvers, 31,000 percussion caps, an ample supply of gunpowder, and 950 pikes. The pikes Brown had ordered from a blacksmith in Connecticut two years earlier. Made to his own design at a dollar apiece, They consisted of a double-edged blade about ten inches long, sharpened at both edges, shaped rather like a large dirk or a broad dagger, and intended to be attached to a six-foot ash pole, a weapon that Brown thought might be more effective and terrifying in the hands of liberated slaves than firearms, with which they were unlikely to be familiar. Brown's reputation as the Apostle of the Sword of Gideon had been made, for better or for worse, in the widespread guerrilla warfare and anarchy of bleeding Kansas, where pro-slavery freebooters from Missouri clashed repeatedly with free-soilers, settlers who were vigorously opposed to the extension of slavery into the territory. Southerners were equally determined to prevent a free state on the border of Missouri, which might render this species of property a current euphemism for slaves, insecure. Violence was widespread and took many forms, from assassination, arson, lynching, skirmishes, and bushwhacking, to small battles complete with artillery. Brown had been responsible for the murder of five pro-slavery settlers at Pottawatomie Creek in revenge for the sacking of the anti-slavery town of Lawrence, Kansas. They had been dragged from their homes in the middle of the night and butchered with broadswords. Brown led the killers, who included two of his sons, and may have given the coup de grace to one of the victims. For three years, from 1855 through 1858, a group of free soilers under the command of Captain Brown, or Osawatomie Brown, as he was called after his heavily fortified free soil settlement, fought pitched battles against border ruffians, as the pro-slavery forces were known by their enemies, in one of which his son Frederick was killed. Brown achieved fame bordering on idolatry among abolitionists in the North for his exploits as a guerrilla fighter in Kansas, culminating in a daring raid during the course of which he liberated eleven slaves from their masters in Missouri and, evading pursuit despite a price on his head, transported them all the way to freedom across the border in Canada in midwinter. 
John Brown was a man of extraordinary courage and persistence, with a grandiose vision and a remarkable gift for organization. Widowed and remarried, he was the father of twenty children by his two wives. A commanding, often intimidating presence even to his enemies, as much at ease in the elegant drawing rooms of the wealthy New England and New York City abolitionists who supported him, as he was in the saddle, armed to the teeth, on the plains of Kansas. He was at once a throwback to the undiluted Calvinism and Puritanism of the first New England settlers, and far ahead of his time. However opposed they might be to slavery, most abolitionists still shied away from social equality with blacks. But Brown had built his home in New Elba, New York, close to Lake Placid, among freed blacks who ate at